0: The next faculty case presented in the survey was a patient of Dr. Lonial.
1: So 59-year-old gentleman on disability for severe COPD presents with a lung mass and an adjacent bone mass based in the rib. He's seen and evaluated by a thoracic surgeon and undergoes complete resection of lung mass and biopsy of the bone mass, thinking that this was a lung cancer. Pathology shows extramedullary plasmacytoma with lung and plasmacytoma of the bone and the bone lesion is not resected after the frozen section reveals plasmacytoma. The patient is now on about 4 liters per minute of oxygen by nasal cannula, which I think prior to the surgery was on 2 liters or something along those lines, and is referred for plasmacytoma workup and treatment. So the bone lesion is not resected after the frozen section reveals plasmacytoma. The patient is on 4 liters per minute of nasal cannula oxygen.
0: And I know because of his COPD, he wasn't considered a
1: candidate for radiation therapy. What were you thinking at that point? So in this case, after surgical resection of the plasmacytoma, he did receive lenalidomide and low-dose dexamethasone.
0: And that was actually the most common choice of both the investigators and the oncologists in practice. What were you thinking, and how do you think through this choice compared to others?
1: This was a real challenge because even though this guy is really young, there's no way this guy would survive high-dose therapy, and we made that identification very, very quickly. His pulmonary reserve is simply too poor to tolerate any significant infections, and his performance status was one of those 1.8 kind of performance status guys, Right. and so we did not think that triplet therapy was really going to be a viable option for him, and when it came down to an easy, gentle regimen, we thought Len Lodostex was the best option for him. So, I mean, I've been
0: hearing from you and a lot of other people, including Paul Richardson, that triple therapy or RBD is not more toxic than doublet therapy. So why would it be more of a problem for him?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, there's a gestalt there where you just sort of look at somebody and know that they're not going to do well with a certain type of therapy. Now, I think all things being equal, there's a difference between a PS1 and a PS2 and a PS3. This guy, you know, it's like excluding PS3 from induction regimens for lung cancer. You just know that they're not going to do as well. And this guy, there was just something about him. And he actually, even with RD, he had some troubles. It was not straightforward. And so I think that had we tried to give him a triplet, I don't think it would have gone well. So what happened with him? So he, after a little bit of hiccups the first few months, in terms of just some cytopenias and toxicities in the first couple cycles, is now on lenalidomide with only 10 milligrams of weekly dex, and that's right at a year out from his initial surgery, and is in a very good partial response, VGPR.
0: What did you do in terms of thromboembolic prevention? And you can see what the respondents here did. Most of them used aspirin.
1: Yeah, that's what we ended up giving this guy as well. He was initially so close to surgery and he had that bone-based plasma cytoma that we were worried about hemorrhage. So we didn't want to put him on low molecular weight heparin. We treated him with an aspirin and he did not have a clot and has done well.
0: We also got into the issue of, you know, what do you do with a patient like that who's in a VGPR In terms of how long you continue therapy, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of divergence here. A lot of people either stop everything or stop it and you do something else, although a fair number will just continue it. What did you do and how do you think it through?
1: So for this guy, I think for most lenalidomide-based approaches, we treat to progression. There is a trial that was done by Antonio Palumbo that was presented looking at NPR with no maintenance versus NPR with maintenance, and I think the group that got maintenance clearly did better. And in that case, you could argue it was ongoing therapy versus maintenance, but they got intense therapy for nine months and then switched over to a less intense therapy. So my approach is to continue patients on lenalidomide for as long as they can tolerate it. His biggest issue has really been DEX-related side effects. We've tapered down his DEX to about 10 milligrams, and probably in the next few cycles, we'll taper off the dexamethasone and keep him just on lenalidomide alone.
0: What was the problem with the dex? I mean, how did it affect his COPD incidentally?
1: You know, his respiratory function actually was not the major issue. He does have some borderline diabetes and blood pressure issues were a concern. Both of those related likely to dex as we tapered. Many of them went away.